Hello and welcome to another episode of Rookie Movie Reviews. Today we watched Inception. So Dan, tell me what you thought about Inception. Well Jenny, I would have to say that this is probably one of the top 100 movies of all time. (laughs) Good stuff. So, Inception. Oh my god, this movie was so hyped up when it first came out. Everyone wanted to watch it. All of my friends... All, all of them. So this is, here in 2020, this is like the eighth time I've seen this movie. Yeah, and I feel like of this stuff on the list, this is one of the biggest consumer movies. I don't know, like there's stuff like Dark Knight and Interstellar, but Inception was just so ridiculously <laughs> popular. It was everywhere. It's ridiculous. And Leonardo DiCaprio's in the movie, and he's a big draw, even if you're not that into action movies. And JGL. Yeah, from when he was super relevant, which I feel isn't the case anymore. What is he doing anymore? He was just in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Joseph Gordon-Levitt? Oh, I'm sorry. I'm still on Leo. (laughs) So, Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Yeah, that's a good point. The last thing I remember him being in is 50-50. Well, a bygone era for JGL. (laughs) Oh, wait, uh... No, I definitely just had him mixed up with the guy from Nightcrawler. Oh, um... Jake Gyllenhaal. Jake Gyllenhaal. Yes. Jake Gyllenhaal is... His, he's he's kicking around. Yeah, he's doing stuff. He was just in Velvet Buzzsaw, which is a pretty decent movie. Yeah. Yep. You didn't like it? Well, it was okay. Well, anyway, I was not super excited for this movie. Yeah, it was definitely a get it out of the way because everybody knows, everybody's got an opinion on it. So kind of a, it's on the list, we got to talk about it, but not super hype. No. Anyway. So the movie starts with Cobb washing up on some mysterious beach and he sees in the distance some Japanese castle and two guards come up and check him and they find his gun and when they get back to the castle, you also see his spin top. And the old man references how he might have known that spin top or he recognizes it from a long time ago. Mm-hmm. So it's like, whoa, what's happening here? From a half-remembered dream. Exactly. Uh. <laughs> so you find out that... It, do you find out this part's a dream? Well, you see this old man mm-hmm. um, who... Uh, for purposes of plot, he's an old Asian man. And they cut immediately to a young Asian man. There we go. So not the most subtle thing. I think it's not a mystery at this point. No, it's just... When you see the movie enough, it all runs together. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah, it's just an immediate cut, immediate jump to relevant plot. <laughs> so the relevant plot is Cobb, the man washed up on the beach... Meets with Mr. Saito, who's probably the old Asian man, and Arthur, who is Joseph Gordon-Levitt. And they're explaining how they can protect him from dreams, and it ends up getting revealed that they are in a dream. So... Well, I guess, yeah, so it ends up getting revealed that they are in a dream through a series of collapsing of the... It's not the same castle, but it's some new fortress. So they're going through that, and it's jumping around, and you meet Maul for the first time. And she's this femme fatale looking woman, 
and Cobb meets her in a hotel room and she's sitting on a chair and he ties a chair or he ties a rope to her chair mm-hmm. to rappel down to get to the safe. Yeah, and I feel like for as much as we can bash the movie for being super trendy and popular, there is clever foreshadowing kind of where uh, Arthur, Joseph Gordon-Levitt's character, sees Mal and he's like, what's she doing here? You know, like, are, are you under control? Do you got it all? And all this stuff obviously balloons into more complicated plot details, but they they plant seeds and feels pretty competent. If, I mean, for as familiar as we are, feels careful. Yeah. So Leo Cobb gets to the window and he uses like a cat burglar thing to sneak into the room where the safe is. And he cracks it before the dream starts truly collapsing, but he gets walked in by Maul and Mr. Saito. Which made me wonder how the subconscious projections can interact with other portions of the dream. Oh, like um, like when Maul stands up off the chair and Leo falls a little further down? Or, or how she presumably tells Mr. Saito that Le- uh, Cobb is there to steal his secrets. Yeah. And there's a lot of rule explanation as the movie goes on. And I feel like the first couple times I saw this, because this was like the third time I'd say, Mm -hmm. it feels very, it felt very mystical and weird, hard sci-fi that I didn't understand. But it's it's just not. It's kind of like, this is the way things work. Deal with it. And there's a lot of suspension of disbelief. Yeah. Which is probably one of the reasons I wasn't excited about this movie. Because if it was... (laughs) I don't know how many times I've seen The Fifth Element. I love that movie. Yeah, so if that was on the list, I think it is. Oh, I'm excited for that movie. Okay, but this one, no. (laughs) Multipass. So, (laughs) there is an envelope in there, and Cobb does some weird switcheroo, and he runs off, and we find out that the envelope in the safe is fake. They didn't catch Cobb before he stole the secrets, so he runs out into this collapsing building, and there is a riot in... We don't know it's the next dream, but there's a riot going on around these sleeping men. So Cobb is asleep, Saito's asleep, Arthur's asleep, because they're all sharing the dream mm-hmm. in the fortress. Yeah, and then the rule of like Arthur being shot in the dream. Yes. He wakes up, people feel pain in the dream. And as all these participants wake up, everything starts deteriorating. So that was actually something I really thought was cool. Um, was how how they sh- showed these breakdowns, you know, and yeah, I really, deteriorations. So when they set the rules and the rules make enough sense, like pain is in the mind, I appreciated that, how they showed him getting shot in the foot and him screaming from pain. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I don't know, other stuff, like <laughs> whatever that silver briefcase is. Yeah. That working one more level is just how... Yeah, right? It It's just... I dreamt a silver briefcase full of sedative, and I will dream sedative into you. <laughs> yeah, that's just one of those things that first watch, it's like, whoa, what? Are, this is so confusing. But it's not. It's it's happening. So, <laughs> so watch it and deal with it, uh, you know? Yeah. So the rioting approaches that's outside, and it comes to the precipice and drama happens (laughs) um so they wake up and they wake up in this room with the riot yeah and i want to cut out that earlier so 
So they wake up in the room, and there's a riot going on outside, and you find out that this is Mr. Saito's secret apartment. Mm -hmm. So nobody else knows about this apartment. It's super personal for him. And Mr. Saito doesn't want to admit that Cobb got his information, or he's like, you you didn't do it well enough because I figured out I was dreaming. So they rough him up a bit because he's not supposed to know it's a dream, and they kick him onto this polyester carpet that he knows is wool, so that's their setup to get rid of the other architect. Mm-hmm. And then he's like, very good, you're hired. <laughs> and uh, they get picked up for the job. Yeah, well, um, kind of. What this, this was a bit confusing to me, because as I understood it, he realized, ah, you're trying to get this information from me in this riot dream, mm-hmm. and uh, I now know I'm dreaming, so tough luck. And then they wake up on this train and they all leave and they leave Mr. Saito on the train and he wakes up and looks around all confused like what just happened and everyone's gone. Then after that is when uh, they are making these plans to escape because the job went south and now the person who hired them for the job wants to like kill him essentially. So like we got to lie low. And then uh, when they try and lie low, Mr. Saito has kidnapped the architect and revealed that the architect sold out their location and their plans and basically kidnaps them into a job. Mm-hmm. I think that's... That's more accurate. That's how you want to talk about it. Well, <laughs> <laughs> you want to talk about the actual plot well, instead of skipping... <laughs> the, the only reason that I wanted to touch on that is because um, in all that stuff is one of the better scenes of the movie. Oh, with the pink elephant? No, Not even that. Um, where Cobb spins his top. Oh. And he has his gun, like, to his head. Like, right. he's ready to just blow his mind out. It's like, damn. That, uh, I feel like that's one of the strongest moments of characterization that, for as ridiculous as the movie is and as the plot can get, this is, you know, characterization moments and firmly rooted in what Cobb believes mm-hmm. and how far he's going to go, you know? like that scene a lot. Okay. Any hoozle. No. That's... <laughs> if you like that scene. So Mr. Saito wants to know how to perform Inception, which is planting an idea into somebody's mind. And Arthur and Cobb discuss how to incept. Cobb has done it before. And they have to go to Paris to get a new architect. So Cobb meets with his dad, who's played by Michael Caine. Mm-hmm. And my it, cocaine. <laughs> <laughs> Whiskey and the brandy. <laughs> That's good. You're probably going to want to edit that out because it might be too quiet. No. The whisker and the brandy. Thanks for the second. Yeah, take. <laughs> you're welcome. So it turns out Michael Caine, Michael Caine taught Cobb, Leonardo DiCaprio, how to do the dream shit. Yeah, which, what bothered me an inordinate amount mm-hmm. was Michael Caine, his biological dad, or the dad on his so. mom's side, on his wife's side. Oh, no. Is well, it Mal's dad? Mal is French, but also yeah. Cobb is American. Why is Michael Caine British? Well, they go to London. I thought they went to Paris. Paris, oh, Yeah. Doesn't matter. So it's probably Mal's dad. It's somebody's dad. This is important. 
somebody's dead. So, no, no, no. Because if everybody thinks he killed Maul. Oh. It's probably his dad. Be his ride or die father. Ride or die dad. Yeah. So he asks his ride or die dad to get him an architect. And he has some co-ed that he can offer up. Juno. (laughs) Juno. (laughs) It's a very creepy sentence. (laughs) Uh, Well, he ends up drugging this co-ed. Who? Michael Caine? No, Cobb drugs Adrienne. When? What's her name? To talk about how to architect. Oh, yeah. Took that for granted. Totally just tricked her into a dream. Like, hi, you're sleeping. (laughs) Damn. Bit of a villain. (laughs) Uh, Anti-hero? Yeah. He's got edge to him. He has so much edge. So... Ariadne, not Adrian. Close. Whatever. Uh, Ariadne, who is, whose name is very similar to the Greek spider who weaves dreams. Or is that Roman? Arachne? Uh, no, I was is totally that, unfamiliar. Is that close enough? Yeah. Ariadne, that makes sense. I mean, it must be. It's got to be similar. It's only one letter off. Yeah. Ariadne. Who knows? Send us your complaints at Rookie Movie Reviews. <laughs> That's completely off base on Greek mythology. Contact at RookieMovieReviews.com. I don't know what our actual is. I don't think we have one yet. Go to our website. We'll make it contact. Find out if you can contact us. <laughs> Twitter at us, maybe. Okay. So they meet, and it turns out that Ariadne's pretty, pretty bitchin' because Cobb has her do a maze. Mm-hmm. And she has to make it in two minutes, and it takes a minute to solve. And she gets some bum starts, but then she makes a circle maze. Yes, outside the box, because it was it was such a quick small scene, but just a, drawing a circle on a grid is really clever way. I, in my opinion, of making it, you know, a rule breaking type thing. So, uh, a pretty good quick summary of area need to be a. Lateral thinker, problem solver, drawing circles on grid paper, you know, it's nice. Ellen Page doing it. So we get some exposition through her, which I really appreciate because she's new to the game. We're new to the game. So that's just good writing. So Cobb in this co-ed drugged up dream explains (laughs) how to, how the mind creates and perceives a dream at the same time. Oh God. Ellen Page. It's not even a difficult name. Ariadne. Ariadne. <laughs> I think it's just my Midwestern accent. I don't like Ariadne. Yeah, but maybe eh. Ariadne. Ariadne. <laughs> she questions how it's possible to make a world, and then they're sitting at a cafe, and everything explodes around them. So, this movie has such cool visual effects. I think that was one of the best things about it, and probably why it was so popular. Mm-hmm. Really strong point of it. Uh... This whole dream sequence has a ton of cool effects. Like it's the, it's basically felt like the director flexing on, you know, the the concept of the movie, the hook. It's like, look at everything we can do. Some of the exposition that gets explained is don't make real places. The more you mess with the dream, the more the subconscious will attack you. Real places are dangerous. Um, Time is distorted in a dream. Yeah, which there's a sequence later on where a bunch of time is like compounded. And I 
had the thought, I wonder how much math they actually did for this. Like, did they check how much time passed in the first level dream to figure out how much time should have passed in the second level dream? Or is it just they have more time in the second level dream and they just kind of wiped their hands of the whole situation and uh, said it was good enough, you know? I would not be surprised either way. Yeah. But... So they wake up and they go back in. And when they go back in, that's when Ellen Page starts really messing with stuff enough to get Maul to come out, who is Cobb's projection of his wife. Yeah, and it was weird to me how mad she got about it. Because after she wakes up, because Maul stabs her for fucking around with reality too much, and she wakes up and she freaks out and and leaves and it i guess it's valid to create some tension even though there's not much tension because she comes back like five minutes later in the runtime but you're going to be down with this bizarre alternate reality type stuff and you're going to be down with subconscious attacking you out of nowhere but uh, as soon as you get stabbed by subconscious after it being explained that they will attack you if you keep fucking with stuff you're going to get so mad you leave the whole thing. I don't know. Seemed a bit bit much. To skip ahead a bit, they go to Mombasa to get a chemist and also a forger. So, Well, they go to get a forger and they're looking for a chemist. We meet Tom Hardy as Eames and they discuss the terms of the job. Yeah, Tom Hardy is one of my favorite characters in the movie. I think it's just because... He's cocky. Yeah, he's cocky. I'm a big Tom Hardy fan. Mm. Classic, you know, funny, roguish type. Like uh, Brendan, Brendan uh, Fraser from The Mummy. Yep. But lighter. Lighter? Know, less, Is that le- a fat joke? No. <laughs> <laughs> Brendan Fraser is a well-cut man. Uh, <laughs> just like he's not so over-the-top roguish and, you know, early 2000s Oh, just the zaniness? Yeah. yeah. But also, I love Brendan Fraser. Yes. And I love The Mummy. And I, I love George of the Jungle. I've never seen the George of the Jungle. Um, You've never Brennan seen. Frazier. It didn't seem uh, worth it. I oh, mean... <laughs> you are very wrong. Oh, my God. No, no wonder. No wonder you don't absolutely adore Brendan Fraser. Okay. <laughs> ba da ba da ba. So they're in Mombasa and they get chased by a gang. Uh, whoever... Whoever Cobb pissed off wants him dead. So it was can... like an energy company. Yeah, some energy company. I think. Cobalt. Yeah, Cobalt. Cobalt Industries. So they want him dead. And they chase after him through the streets of Mombasa. And we presume he meets back up with Eames. Oh, wait, we don't have to presume. Mr. Saito ends up picking him up. <laughs> yes. There was one little uh, credit that I have to give the movie that I thought was clever here where... I really got the vibe that it seemed as though as Cobb ran through the streets, he's, you know, in a a foreign land because he's, you know, just a fish out of water type thing, a dangerous area. And then as he's as he's fleeing, he tries to blend in and go incognito and ask for coffee and it gets rejected. They all yell at him and that kind of ousts him and and seemed very similar to the whole theme where they're in a dream and the subconscious will start to turn on you. The more you stick out, the more you change things, and the more you disrupt. So I thought, kind of, kind of surface level, but pretty good, tying into the, the ideas and the theme. So 
I'd give it a, a plus there, at least. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty good. Yeah, that's pretty good. So <laughs> So they're picked up by Saito. <laughs> picked up. They meet Yusuf, who's a chemist, and he takes them to his opium den where he den. Yeah. Takes them to his opium den where he's got people under his powerful sedative and they're dreaming and they're in the dream world for 40 hours while in real life it's four hours. Mm-hmm. So just the power of dreaming and how they come here to wake up. So really skewing the line between reality and dreamland. Yeah, and this whole sequence where they meet Yusuf is where they really lean into the concept of the sleep compound mm. and where the what I thought was a hard sci-fi turns into the bullshit. I don't know. Do you have any, like... It feels like one of the weakest parts of the movie is the explanation of everything and the rules are just kind of there to, to prop up the plot, which is fine, but also annoying. Uh, I mean, whoever wrote this wasn't like a Sanderson or a Rothfuss. There's not a hard magic system that they're following. Yeah, I wish there was. I mean, that'd be nice. <laughs> and if there'd be like 15 books, especially from Rothfuss. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or it's the third one. Doors of Stone anytime. I, you better be listening to this. Um, oh, the quote in this scene where the mysterious old black man in the basement says, Oh, they come every day to be woken up. The dreams have become their reality. Very cringe-inducing. Okay. Just a lot of stuff like... I feel uh, like we were going to say you really like that. No. I was like, oh boy. Yeah, I wrote down a couple quotes that stood out, and um, there's some I like. Like when they meet Eames, they say, The price on my head is it dead or alive? And Eames is like, I don't know. Let's see if they start shooting. Like, haha, that got a laugh out of me when they're being chased through Mombasa. Mm-hmm. And then there's stuff like this where they're so far up their own ass. Like, oh, the dreams are the reality. That's not what you would expect, is it? But. Oh, man. Anyway. So. Eames, what does this mean? Eames ends up in a room with a redhead oh, man. This is after Peter the, Brown? yeah. So the team, Peter, yeah, the Peter. team is all together now, and mm-hmm. um, they they begin their identification of the target, essentially. Oh, okay. So next up is a montage, because who doesn't love a classic montage? And within that montage, Eames is in a lawyer room. Yeah. They're going over, I think they're going over the will. And he's in the room with all these people, and we see Peter, Uncle Peter, get bitchy about something somebody said. <laughs> and Classic Uncle Peter. He goes, such a bitch. <laughs> he goes into the hospice care room of Mr. Fisher, the dad, and his son Robert is in there with his dying father. And uh, there's a little bit of exposition. Um, there's a picture that gets tossed, and it's a picture of Cillian Murphy, Robert, and his father with him with a pinwheel. And the picture gets thrown, and Peter's like, this must have been really important to him. And Robert's like, I put it there. He didn't even notice. So we can see that there's a rift between the father and son. And Eames brings this info back, and he explains how he's going to be able to impersonate Peter and... Uh, Adrienne, oh God, Ariandi. 
Ariadne. Ari- Ariana Grande <laughs> creates her totem. <laughs> yeah. Um, the whole concept of totems, I think, is pretty interesting. Uh, and it feels like a, a cool way to get a little creative with characters. I wish they had totems for other characters explained, you know? Yeah, I want to see everyone's totem. Yeah. Well, we know Eames is the poker chip. Really? And then JGL is the die. Where did we learn that Eames is the poker chip? Probably Easter eggs. Mm. Or movie. Yeah. I know movie he tried details. to trade in like a forged poker chip and God was like, oh, your spelling hasn't gotten better. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was a cool reveal as well where they have like these jobs on the team and Eames is a forger and when you meet him, he had forged like a poker chip or whatever and then you realize, oh, he's actually a forger because he impersonates people in dreams you know before and i thought that was very surface level but cool neat little thing the movie's cool it's certainly cool yeah so anyway sorry uh just wanted to talk about totems so if we didn't reveal it already ariadne signed up to be the architect and her and cobb discuss how to build the dream and cobb says Never tell me how it's constructed. Mm-hmm. And Ariadne is certainly interested in why she can't tell him. And that ends up being the plot B, essentially. Um, and he explains that people think he killed Maul, which he didn't. Right. But. Yeah. yeah. And um, I guess the last thing here before the I don't know final half final act begins is where they get on the elevator mm-hmm. and uh, go through all of his subconscious oh because Ariadne joins him in the dream yeah so it's, it's a dream sequ- elevator the dream elevator yeah the dream elevator sequence where you know it's just begs the question for me more of like what rules are there because Cobb there are no can rules. yeah he can just make he organizes it however he wants. Well, it's a dream, except for the hard rule that these briefcases can put your subconscious to sleep. Mm-hmm. And other people's subconscious can come into other people's dreams. Yeah, which, which is super like convenient. Yeah, yeah, it's bullshit. Um, yeah, so at this point they like basically execute their plan and... The whole movie has kind of felt to me like they have had three or four different rule explanation sessions. And you're still confused? Yeah, and it's just rules about how a dream works, how they make the dream, rules about how their plan is going to go off, Mm -hmm. what they can and can't do in a dream. And this is the whole movie, and then actually use it in the last half. But uh, that last half begins with them all getting on a plane. They trick Fisher, played by Cillian Murphy, which is, or Killian, which is great. Uh, I love Killian Murphy. He's in Peaky Blinders, which we should watch. Show. It's a good show. Jenny. Mm. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> Fine. I'll watch it. Uh, <laughs> So they all get on the plane. Well, we find out Mr. Saito bought the airline because they have to buy out the first class and the flight attendant. And Mr. Saito's like, actually, I'm insanely wealthy. Yeah, right. Like, what is he worried about? Jeff Bezos buys the airline. 
Oh, and um, it's important to note that the reason they're doing all of this is because Cillian Murphy is the son of a monopoly. Oh, and right. It, so it that's why they're bothering. <laughs> so he's a, presumably a gazillionaire. And they want Saito's main competitors, the Fisher Company, and he wants them to dissolve so that he can eat up their little buildings. Yum, yum, yum. Yum, yum, yum. <laughs> buildings, so, buildings, buildings. Yum, <laughs> yum, yum. <laughs> Yeah. So he buys the airline, and they're on this plane. And <laughs> good old Cobb drugs another young buck. <laughs> and falls asleep. He's, he's a predator. He's dangerous. <laughs> he yeah. is. And so they they strap him up, and they hook him into the stream, and it begins. Yeah, the the whole convoluted internet hype machine of a dream within a dream within a dream they uh bop in and they're in level one and i'll say off the bat i don't know whose dream is whose ever it's like, use of stream oh okay it's so because he had to pee oh yeah which is he drank all that champagne yeah which i don't think is gonna be safe to mix with that sedative <laughs> yeah, that's in the liner notes of the dvd just yeah don't mix champagne with powerful sleep sedatives. Yeah. I think that's general advice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I could keep that in mind. So in level one, it's raining. They're in the city. And the whole team is kind of getting into different cars. They hijack a taxi driver, which is fine because he's a dream taxi driver. Mm. There's no real consequences. Of immediately... There's no real consequences for the subconscious. Yes. We we do learn that there are real consequences for the main conscious. What is that? Uh, what is the not subconscious? The conscious. The conscious. Just so Leonardo DiCaprio and the main characters at this point are the conscious. I guess. Okay. Well, the conscious can kill the subconscious, um, but vice versa is bad. They there's like two main things that happen in the in the rain. A train rips through the town, which is we have learned earlier tied to his uh grief and psychological trauma with his wife and Ariadne's the only one who knows what's going on with that. And then the other thing that happens is after they kidnap Robert Cillian Murphy. Killian. Killian. I have no clue. Me neither. I'll I'll keep flipping. Seamurf. Uh <laughs> They kidnap Seamurf and they bring him to a warehouse and they're going to go another level down. This is their plan. Um, after trying to extract some numbers subconsciously from Seamurf's uh, subconscious in his dream. But Saito is shot in the militarized subconscious getaway. So, you know, train, subconscious is militarized, Saito shot. Everyone's like, well, see a Saito, and they get ready to murder him. And Kava's like, hey, guys, I lied to all of you. Um, what a bastard. Yeah, he's a, he's terrible. <laughs> he's drugging kids, lying. And the, the ultimate consequence, because there's not really death in the movie, because they're dreaming, so you can't be like, oh, we might die. So they say instead, because of how sedated we are, which is more hand-wavy, rule, bullshit, because of the super sedative that Yusuf made, we are uh, at risk of going to limbo, 
which is deep, deep in your subconscious, and you can be there for decades and decades and decades, and uh, you just wake up and lose your mind, you're catatonic. So that's the risk. Um, I don't know, pretty cool sequence overall. I like the city sequence probably the most. Oh, the, really? Well, the second most. Hotel is the most. Uh-huh, I'd yeah. agree. Um, any any strong opinions uh, from you on the city, the driving, the militarized subconscious? Uh, Mall ends up, no. No, no comments. Okay, so they uh, pretend, they put their plan to motion, they pretend to be Uncle Peter. Eames pretends to, so they kidnap him into this warehouse and then they chain him in the back room. Mm. And then Eames puts on his makeup behind a door. I don't know how it works. Yeah. He's just like, I will now, I'm now (laughs) Peter. And he starts screaming as Peter. And the plan is to get this guy, this Peter, this Eames Peter, to Mm -hmm. plant the beginning of a thought that he needs to break up the empire. And they weren't going to do it heavy-handed, so they said. Right. And then they locked him in the room with Seamurf. And he was the most heavy-handed shit. Yeah. Eames <laughs> walks in there and he just starts saying, like, I don't know, he said he was proud of you and <laughs> wanted you to make your own empire or something. And, That's a pretty good yeah. impersonation. Oh, thank you. And of this old white guy with yeah. silver hair or whatever. I don't know the ad actor. No. But, yeah. Um, very much, like, we'll say it will be subtle. And then hopefully the audience will just find it subtle. <laughs> 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 Um, yeah, we, we learned that, uh, Robert actually did not get along with his dad at all. Surprise. And, uh, Murph's dad told him, disappointed, that was his last word to him. And so they thought, ah, we thought we could be all positive, but we can't. Um, he hates his dad. So then they planned, hey, let's flip it over to making him hate Uncle Peter. Uh, I think that brings us into level two. Level two. The hotel level coolest level the coolest level because it's got the iconic hallway rotating scene um but that's a bit ahead of us so this whole thing they set up the gambit because of their change of plan where Cobb is going to do uh, mr charles which is pretending to be a part of the militarized subconscious and telling the seamurf that he is dreaming so things start to get a little hairy had a look at our sleeping cat. He, oh, he looks back at us. <laughs> uh, Cobb tells Robert that he's dreaming. Things get a little hairy. Gravity's shifting. Weather's changing weird. But eventually Robert's on board. He's like, sweet. Uh, I am dreaming and I'm going to trust you, my security guy, to get me out of here. Um, after that happens... Uh, Well, they forced some numbers out of him, and five two eight four eight one keeps showing up in the movie. Oh yeah, five two eight four eight one, and those are hotel room numbers. They end up in the next dream. They end up being the hotel numbers. So, Mister mm-hmm. Charles fakes getting a phone call to go up to the fifth floor, and they're up there looking for secrets, and they find. What do they find? Um, I don't really. No, they bring in P- 
Peter, who at this point was altered by Robert's subconscious, because now they're in Robert's mind, basically, or not quite, but Robert's subconscious is populating the dream, and the whole goal is to make him not like Peter. So what they revealed in level one is making Robert view Peter as an enemy. So that's the ultimate goal. And then Cobb is like, we're going to go one level deeper. We're going to go into Uncle Peter's mind to see what he's really thinking. Because he's your political enemy right now. Or your business enemy. And uh, then they use that to actually go into Robert's mind. There's, um, And this is when they're all asleep in the hotel Aren't they in Eames Dream? The, For the, the snow? The snow is um, Robert's. Then how did Ariadne build it? Because she's the architect. It's Eames Dream. He puts in the, he puts in the window. Not oh, the window, the sewer the, escape. The sewer is okay. So Eames Dream, Robert's subconscious, mm-hmm. all this stuff. Yeah, so it's confusing. <laughs> it doesn't make sense. And it's uh, not great. Truly. But there is one important scene in level two prior to going to level three. Uh, where I forget the setup for it, but Cobb and Ariadne discuss the details of Maul's death mm. and what we saw in the elevator sequence from earlier is revealed in full where um, Maul and Cobb were in limbo for decades and woke up and she did not believe that that was reality. She didn't think her kids were her kids. I thought uh, for what it's worth that this was like really... Um, emotional consequences and and uh, well written character, I guess for for these two and like how people who live this life would fall apart or you know reckon with what they've done to their own minds, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Um. From what I recall, you were not crazy about the hotel suicide scene where Mal jumps. What do you mean? What do you mean? You you said it was uh, overacting. Oh, oh, Jesus! Yeah. yeah. No! <laughs> that, I don't... I mean, if your wife jumps to her death, you... Yeah, but... Uh, it is... very soap opera-y. I don't know. That's Whatever. Fair. Yeah, it does... I mean, Leonardo didn't get an Oscar for this one, did he? No, so only the Revenant. the acting wasn't that great. Maybe not. Which yeah. was different screen crying in, in The, the Revenant. Revenant. Yeah, when he was getting killed by a bear. Mm-hmm. Not killed. I mean, he doesn't uh, get killed. Whoa, spoilers for The Revenant. There's a bear. Yeah. <laughs> 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 uh, so, yeah, uh, we find out Mel kills herself. The reason Cobb is on the run is because she said she felt fearful for her safety. And he had to flee the States. So, um, I don't really recall when that happens. In the hotel, but that happens in level two. Mm-hmm. And then they go to level three, which is... Everyone um, except for Ejigio. Yes. So Yusuf is up in level one driving a van that they're all asleep in. Because it's his dream. Because it's his dreams. JGL is uh, tethering everybody um, together to make sure that they get the kick, which will pull them out of the dream. Because it's his dream. Yes. And now they're all asleep in a hotel room and they are in... They're asleep in a dream. Yes. Hooked up to the silver briefcase. Yes. Bullshit. Complete. Why? <laughs> how does this... How do you not dream that people are asleep? How can JGL not be like, okay, now you're all 
in the third level. Blah 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 blah. <laughs> Why? <laughs> yeah, well, dream within a dream. Yeah. Um, Whatever. It is the I'm weakest pissed. rule section, probably, because there are no rules. There are no rules. They, yeah, every, everything Except... is so overexplained, and then this, they're just like sleeping now. Yeah, they don't touch it. So that's Dumb. fine. Um, when do we find out about the top? We find out that the spin top is actually Maul's totem. Oh, that is um, after, uh, you know, things in Sniper Arctic Hell go bad. No, we find out it's her totem before that. We don't find out the consequences of mm. her totem until after Arctic Hell. I can't recall if it was ever explained or if it was just a scene where it was showing uh, Cobb and Maul in limbo and she locks away her totem. Or is someone just straight up like, Maul's totem was the top. I think Cobb said that. Yes, he does. Okay. Must that have was way earlier. Yeah. Yeah. Well, back when they're explaining totems and Ariadne has to make hers. He's like, this was Maul's. Yeah. Yes. Okay. And his is his wedding ring. Yes. They don't explain that in the movie, though. No, that was... Clever fan recognition, I guess, mm-hmm. that came about after. It's like the one thing that they actually trust in the audience to think about. Everything else is just so over-explained or hand-waved. But, yeah. I'm upset about the briefcases. Me too. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> they're in Arctic hell. Saito's still dying. Yeah, because he was shot way back in level one, and for some reason it's not as dire the deeper you go. Because, like, time passes slower, but he's also just not hurt. I don't know. Uh, Things fall apart. Couldn't he just dream himself not dying? Couldn't someone just dream, oh, he's healed? Yeah, and Cobb would say, well, it's Fisher's dream. Mm. So... It's Eames' dream. It's Eames' dream. Stop so what the hell, Eames? <laughs> Eames being a bit of a dick. He's, he won't just fix Saito. Saito's dying because he was shot. They've got to get Fisher into this metaphorical vault to find the truth, which is their incepted idea, um, to convince him to break up the Empire. Yes. And they actually call it the hospital at one point. Like, you have to go into the hospital. I think Ellen Page says that. They they mentioned that a couple times where she's like, that's why I made the hospital. And I, I'm i like, what hospital? It's a study. Yeah. With, like, futuristic... Well, this is getting ahead. Yeah. And, but not too far ahead because basically the whole sequence is them uh, skiing around and that's shooting true. it. It's basically it's just action. action movie stuff. Yeah. So action movie stuff. Yusuf says, screw it. I'm kicking things up. We're going off the bridge because I'm getting too chased. And yeah. that's when the hotel loses gravity. But for some reason, Arctic Hell doesn't lose gravity. Yeah. I don't know, man. Whatever. So JGL, there's a cool spinning tunnel and he gets to float around. And that's why he's tying everyone up to give them the kick. Because yeah. there's no gravity left. So he gets everyone in an elevator shaft. That's the whole thing. He fights guys and he gets people tied up to put them in the elevator with the bombs. Yeah. Absolutely. And Meanwhile, the van is falling. Yes, and I think the van falling because there's an avalanche in Sniper Hell where uh, a bunch of snow comes down. And they're all like, did we miss it? Was that the kick? And they're like, yep, that was the kick. Well, let's figure it out. Um, Cobb is providing sniper support for Arthur as he slowly ventures towards the safe in this super military base that feels like a James Bond movie. And then Mal shows up because 
Cobb learned from Ariadne that there is a secret vent shaft. And she's like, I shouldn't tell you about this secret vent shaft because your subconscious will ruin it. And he's like, no, we have to know um, because we're on a tighter timeline. And uh, then, what do you know, Mel shows up and shoots Dream Fisher, which sends him into limbo. Uh, so they now both go into limbo. Ariadne and Cobb. Yes. And uh, they have another silver briefcase. To put them all asleep. Of course. And they connect Fisher Why did they to... bring it? Why did they bring it? They didn't expect to go into limbo. Yeah. I Did they I dream know. it into reality? They must have. Why didn't they, they dream just... themselves asleep? <laughs> <laughs> it will haunt us for years to come. No, it won't. But I'll what's also the weird, movie. they woke up um they woke up Fisher with a defibrillator. Oh wait, no, that was to bring him out of the hell dream of Sniper Hell. There should have been an what? actual hell. I, I was getting confused about the devices because they have to go into limbo to get Fisher and they push him off a ledge mm-hmm. after a ton of plot that I'll describe. Yeah. And he falls and wakes up in sniper Arctic hell. Well, they have to revive him to for him to experience the kick. Yes. Okay. And just thankfully the defibrillator worked because they are so massively successful all well the defibrillators time. too are also to actually stop your heart so that if you're having an irregular heartbeat it stops it in the hope that it'll reset itself because our body is just meat filled with electricity gross yeah. but also cool <laughs> our bones are wet <laughs> very gross uh so um long story short the plan goes totally poorly. Everyone's falling in level one. Uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt's getting everyone situated in level two. Everyone's dead in level three. And Cobb and Ariadne go into limbo to save Fisher. And this is where we learn that Inception happened once before, which Cobb has said, because they were in limbo, him and his wife Mal. Cobb and Mal were in limbo way in the past for many, many, many years Cobb realized it needed to leave Limbo, but Mal had stopped recognizing that it was not reality. So what Cobb did was take her top, spin it in the safe, shut the safe, and then when she came back, however long after, she realized, oh, it's not real, and then they killed themselves by train. Um, so he incepted this idea that her reality was not true. Yes, uh, which leads to all the repercussions that we've seen thus far, where she jumps out of a hotel window and... Cobb's on the run, and Mal's dead, all that stuff. So that is uh, Cobb's great guilt. And why he can't go back and see his kids. Yes. But this whole job is Mr. Saito, the gazillionaire, is like, I'll make one call from the plane, and then you will get through immigration just fine. Because he's Jeff Bezos rich. Yeah, apparently. He's more so, because one call and he could just come into the states after he's got a warrant for his arrest for murder i bet i bet bezos could do that there's only one way to find out well there's two ways <laughs> what's the second way because the first way is kill someone and befriend beth jeff bezos and have him call it in well i would befriend him first and then kill someone that's safer yeah, Is that's, that the, second that's one? the second one. Oh, <laughs> so it's, it's same plan, different order. Well, doesn't reordering the plan change the plan? Yeah, I guess, yeah. Two distinct plans. Completely different plan at that point. Anyway. Anyway, we're so near the end. So um, they 
Ariadne kicks uh, Robert off of the ledge in Limbo to wake him up in Sniper Arctic Hell. And then Ariadne's like, Saito's dead now. He's down here in Limbo. You have to find him. Don't stay here with Mal because that's the risk, right? No. What? What do you mean, what? He... So Maul is there when they kick Cillian Murphy off the ledge. And she's like, you could stay with me. Yeah. And Cobb seems to be giving into it. And Ari... And then Ariadne says, you Ariadne. have to find Saito. No! Ariadne's like, you can't stay here. And Cobb's like, no, Saito's probably dead by now. Okay. So same plan, different order. So it's completely different plan. <laughs> we just established this. <laughs> so... In any case, um, they wake up, all the kicks are going off. And, and then he kills Mal. Yeah, he... Dan. He doesn't kill her. Kills the shit out of her. What, he stabs her to death? Yeah. I don't think so. How does she die? I don't think she dies. Why I doesn't think she he... follow him to Limbo? Well, they're in Limbo. Why doesn't she follow him to Saito's? Well, isn't it his Limbo, so he's just like... Has that worked before for her to not follow him around? Well, now he's got he's developed as a Did character. He, and he doesn't need her anymore. Did he dream four walls around her? That would work. <laughs> I don't. Well, I'll, I'm going to pull this scene up after this, and uh, I'll add a little addendum. God, <laughs> I I've seen this movie too much. Is the issue? Well, okay. Well, let's assume he kills her. Because how else? I mean, even if he does kill her. And just pop back into reality at any point. That's true. I don't know. Let's cut this part out. But Except for the part where I was right about whose idea was to find Saito. You're right about that. <laughs> so, <laughs> long story short, we cut back to the scene where Cobb is on uh, the beach. Because everyone else has woken up except Cobb who stayed in limbo. And um, back in level one, JGL is like, oh, did you, you find... Where's Cobb? And she's like, Limbo. He's like, uh, JGL says, oh, he stayed for Mala. And she's like, no, to find Saito. And then (laughs) uh, we cut to the beach scene. Right. And they have this very bullshit philosophical discussion that really made me roll my eyes where they just say absolute nothing. Like, oh, it's like a half-remembered dream. And he's like, we were young men. Let's be young men again. Like, all this weird stuff. Yeah. And, uh, he, I guess he pulls him with them, uh, and they all wake up on the plane. Yeah. And I thought this was a great scene, when they wake up. I hated everything before, where it was like, let's be young men. (laughs) But when they wake up, and they all kind of look at each other, because Cobb and Saito were there for lifetimes, you know, and, um, everyone else was just on the plane watching them, and it's probably, like... They said it was a 10-hour flight and they were landing in 20 minutes or so. So just nine hours of sitting there thinking, like, is he going to be catatonic in a coma? And then when he wakes up, like, I feel like they all show the gravity of that pretty well. I thought it was well acted. Uh, anyway, they land and... Um, well, Saito makes this phone call. Yes, yeah, from a weird plane phone. Yeah, what is it, 1993? Is it? No. I don't know. Me neither. There's guns and suits. <laughs> Sounds pretty 90s to me. Yeah. <laughs> um, also, 
Wow. Men drugging children with little consequence. So it probably is the 90s. Yeah. Yeah. God. Very Cosby-esque. Ooh. What? Can we say that? Probably. Well, we called Tom Hardy a racist. So I... Well, I thought we were cutting that out. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> we should cut that out, but not this part. <laughs> so everyone's like, what the hell? Um, anyway, uh, so the end of the movie is that they all get off the plane nod to each other knowingly at baggage claim, and then a Cobb goes to his dad's house and finally is reunited with his children. His and Maul's house. His and Maul's house. But he gets reunited. And uh, the scene that keeps playing was them, like, hunched over and playing with their backs to him, mm-hmm. and he doesn't get to call out to them, and then and then Michael Caine calls out to them. Yeah. And he's like, Philippa... Other one. James. James. Creepiest looking boy ever. Bad haircut. Yeah, he turns around and he's like, <laughs> a horrifying grin on his face. He could be in a horror movie. Mm. Probably mean to talk so much shit about a little boy who is in a movie, but really creepy. True. Uh, yeah, and then he spins the top to see if he's in reality. Realizes it's not going to sit there and wait and watch. And the iconic ending is... The top wobbles a bit, but it cuts to black. But he's not wearing his wedding ring. Yes. So it's reality. Yes. Confirmed. Reality confirmed. So, I mean, that's the that's the plot with all of our thoughts in it. Okay. I wonder if you want to offer a few pros and cons before we go on to rating. Like, mm. you know, throughout the movie, favorite parts, least favorite parts, or what you liked. Pros, the effects. Mm, yeah. When that scene... Where they're in Paris, and Ellen Page touches the road, and it flips up. Or she, like, imagines the road flipping up. Yeah. And then they just walk up it. That blew my mind the first time I saw it. This it, movie is really cool. Yeah. Definitely a rule of cool going on. Like, doesn't make sense. It's cool. So who cares? <laughs> yeah. I also like the tunnel scene. Before I was woke, I thought the moment where JGL was like, kiss me, and Ellen Page kisses him, I thought that was cute a long time ago, but now it's creepy. Yeah. For what it's worth, I mean, they didn't make her creeped out in the movie, but it's still creepy in reality. Mm -hmm. So they're like, oh, we wrote this character to be in the Joseph Gordon-Levitt's character. Fine. Nobody said it, though. Yeah. It was never... There was no consent. Never a plot point. Yeah, it was just like, what if they flirted, yeah. but with physical contact? Real quick. And drugged kids. What if, yeah. <laughs> what was your, like, least favorite things? The briefcase. <laughs> I should have guessed. Gosh. <laughs> yeah. How about you? What's your pro? What's your con? Um, My favorite thing were some lines were really funny. Like, it was, I agree, it was very cool. Action scenes were neat, thrilling, and some lines were witty. Like, let's see if they start shooting from Mombasa. Some lines were horrible. Um, my least favorite thing is probably the super cringy, trying to be philosophical about the nature of dreams, but it's stuff that everybody thinks about dreams already. Like, oh, they're kind of like reality sometimes. Isn't that weird? You know, like that's the whole philosophy of the movie, it seems. Um, and it felt really long. It was a really long movie. It's like two and a half hours. It felt like three. Yeah. But yeah, uh, what would you rate it? I'd give it a seven out of ten. 
I was feeling a six. Ooh, I'll come down there. Okay, because I'm trying to be as strict as possible on five being deadpan average and anything above that, just I might rewatch it. I wish I didn't have to. Yeah. I wish I didn't have to rewatch this movie. So this is our lowest reviewed one six yet. Six out of ten. Six out of ten. Inception is a six out of ten. Yes. Well, Riots thanks. Riots in the street. Oh, Riots in the street. Oh, shit. Yeah. I guess, is that a hot take? Yeah, I think it's a hot take. I don't think it, people have seen it as often as I've seen it. How many times have you seen it? This is my eighth time, and I just don't... Nothing Jesus. Nothing absorbs into my cerebrum. Have you seen any... This movie. Have you ever seen any other movie? That many times. Probably Thumbelina when I was five. <laughs> Damn. Well, I your six is much more valid than my six. Okay. Angry six. Okay. All right. Well, thanks for listening, if you listened. Yeah. If you haven't gotten this far, we will find you. <laughs> <laughs> right. Thank okay. you. Goodbye. Bye.